to Prepare to Care, the ARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm your host, Marie Pierre. This week, we're interviewing Dr. Carmel Dyer. She is the Executive Director of the University of Texas Consortium on Aging, which is right here in the Medical Center. The Consortium on Aging is an innovative and forward-thinking collection of doctors and specialists in Houston who focus on the next big thing in the medical world. That big thing is an aging boomer generation. So Dr. Dyer is here to cover the trends in aging in Harris County and the unique challenges of addressing geriatric health needs today. Um, If you don't think you need to worry about the future of medicine and aging, think again. Coming up on Prepare to Care. Dr. Dyer, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So um, my first question to you is, we we just... um, the Consortium on Aging. Uh, you and I talked just a little bit before this show, and you told me about something called geriatrics. So can you tell us a little bit about what is geriatrics? Well, geriatrics is the medicine of older adults, how to care for them, how to assess them, and how to prescribe for them and treat them. Okay. So, okay, so here I am. I have my ARP card already. Am I an older adult or when, when is older? So it's pretty clear that although um, functional status and your health varies, after about age 75, our physiology changes. Once we're 75, there are, as, as an organism, we're a little bit different. Uh, and so we have more special needs. Okay. And so those special needs, like, do you think that they're better advised by a different kind of doctor or, uh, you know, how does it come about that people want to go see a geriatrician? Is that how it's called? Yes, geriatrician. Well, none of us would send our children or our grandchildren to a doctor or a practitioner who had not been trained in pediatric medicine. Well, geriatric medicine is the field of medicine that addresses just this special group. And so as geriatricians and geriatric social workers and geriatric nurse practitioners, etc., we are all trained in the physiologic changes that come with normal aging, the geriatric syndromes like falls or memory impairment, depression, and we learn how to prescribe and treat older adults properly. Okay. Oh, so how, how does this happen? Like, I mean, I, I know, you know, we, we start getting like creaking knees, you know, things get a little bit, you know, out of whack, you know. Um, can you tell us about like, how do your patients get from point A to point B? Being seen from a regular doctor to deciding I want to see a geriatrician. Is that a decision that your patients make themselves or, or their caregivers make for them? A lo- it's really a lot of times it's the family members and the caregivers because they see that some of the practices of medicine are not meeting the needs mm-hmm. of their loved one or the person they're caring for. And so when they see that, that the, the needs have changed, then they often refer to a geriatrician. Some people self-refer because they want to get a start, a good start on healthy aging. Okay. 
So is it something that people may want to look at like early on or, you know, I'm thinking when I had a baby, I started yeah. to look at my you know choices of pediatricians early. Right. Is that something you would recommend for people who, you know, who might want to think about that in the future? I would love to be able to recommend that. There's just not enough geriatricians in Houston. We have more than many places, but around the country, there are not enough of us who've had this specialty training. And so, I mean, it's it's tough to find a geriatrician, although we're, we have um, several strong programs and very good doctors here in Houston. Interesting. So, so tell us more about the consortium on aging. Is the consortium like looking at that? You know, the the fact that there are not as many geriatricians, or other programs being developed. Yeah. So the UT Health Consortium on Aging is a group of about 170 people from within the six schools at UT Health and the surrounding agencies. And what we have done is created a community of researchers, educators, clinicians, service providers who want to focus on older adults. And so through this community, we work on shared projects. And one of those things is the education of the geriatric workforce. You know, I'm a baby boomer, but there are not going to be enough people to provide the care we need, not only geriatricians, that is the physicians, there's not enough nurses, social workers, aides, physical therapists, and pharmacists to meet the needs. So what we do, part of our work at the consortium is to develop educational programs for the professionals that are caring for older adults. I see. So are these educational programs, do they extend like beyond medicine? Are they like paraprofessionals that are involved in medicine? Or are they for people who are caregivers? So right now we have focused on the professionals, the health professionals. We go out in the community, however, and give lots of lectures at, at different senior centers, etc., to benefit caregivers and family members. Okay. So tell us about it. Like if you had like the, the, the pet peeve, like the one thing that you think would be important in terms of medicine for aging people. It would, it would have to be the use of medications in older adults. Hmm. If I could teach every doctor in this country just one thing, it would be how to appropriately prescribe for older adults. Sometimes that means taking away medicines. Sometimes that means never starting a medicine. Sometimes that means adjusting the dosage and the frequency of certain medications. And in some cases, it means avoiding uh, certain medications and gravitating to others. And these are the medications we know work best in older people. So tell us, like, uh, have you encountered, like, uh, uh, tell us a story. Like, uh, have you encountered something like that with a patient? Don't give us names, of, of course. course. You know, of, of something that happened that, that could have been prevented, maybe. So there was a, uh, um, a very lovely a woman who had mild dementia, and she was uh, she had some falls and so she we sent her to the emergency room and they and i called ahead they called me and they said if there's an infection we're going to prescribe an antibiotic and i thought that's great and it turned out that the antibiotic they prescribed for her was one that's not recommended at all for older adults over the next two weeks she fell hmm. 
and we brought her back into the hospital. I, uh, I brought her back to the hospital, and the team looked at her, and she had some liver failure and some kidney failure. Our geriatric inpatient team took over her care, and they stopped the medication, and fortunately, the renal failure and the kidney failure and the, the liver failure resolved, and she went back to normal. However, her family was never comfortable again having her live alone at home. Well, they were she was living with them, right. so she was moved to an assisted living facility at that time. I see. So I guess as our body age, we, we don't metabolize the medicine in the same way, right? And, and I'm guessing they're like other conditions that people have that interact with medications? So the medication she was prescribed, and of course we have no, we would have no say over what went on in the emergency room. The, the medications that was prescribed would be perfect if you're 55 years mm. old. But this particular medication was not cleared by the older kidney. So the older kidney, even though the blood value, the test may look normal, the older kidney, ha the function declines with age. And so you'd have to be a in geriatric medicine to know that. Ideally, we would have either geriatricians working in the emergency room so that wouldn't happen, or we'd have geriatric pharmacists reviewing medications before they get to the patient. Right. So what I'm hearing from you is all, all of these things are being thought about right now, and, and, and you are educating people. Um, would you have like some advice for caregivers? You know, like, are there some signs or something that people should watch out for? Or if I take mom to the doctor, are there questions that I can ask of the physician that maybe to make sure that things are on track? That's an excellent question. Every medication that is prescribed as a caregiver or a family member or as a patient, you should say, why is this being prescribed? Are there alternatives? And is there a non-medication alternative that I could try? Also, does it interact with any of my other medicines? And lastly, is it age appropriate? Okay. Those are fair questions each and every time. The other thing where I, I think there's some challenges is that perhaps an individual may see three patients, a heart doctor, a kidney doctor, and their general doctor. There has to be one of those doctors that knows what all what the other two are doing and that's generally the primary care physician and they they should really you it, in an ideal world you would call them up and run the medication by them or send a fax or talk to the nurse and say i want to know if if dr dyer or dr nelson or whomever feels like this is a good medication for me and then, of course, it's our obligation to get right back to you so that you can get the treatment you need. Right. So I want to I want to go back to what you said. So you say, I take mom to the doctor, and, and, and I should ask, why is this medication being taken? Is there an alternative? Does she even need the medication? Or, or, or you know, maybe there's some other thing. And discuss with the doctors the interaction. Yes. And then you pointed, like, this really interesting thing is, like, lots of people have many doctors, Right. And, and it, it sounds like somebody, like the caregiver, need to be in charge of everything, right? Well, see, that's the problem. Okay. There's not, there's not case management out there. There's not, there's not the time right now, we'd love to see it different, where primary care could take, primary care doctor could take right. a part of their day to help manage the case, you know? And so we, we, we really need to go there because what's happening is the full burden 
is falling on the caregivers, and they have they are sort of the unpaid case managers sure. for their loved ones. I see that. So, but so you know, in the meantime, since there are no case manager, if we can give a piece of advice to our listeners, is become that case manager in the meantime, right? Yes. One thing that surprised me because for me it's like, oh, if I go to the doctor, I'm not going to ask questions, right? Oh, I don't even know that I can call the other doctor and say this is going on. But what you're telling us is you can email your doctor. You can ask questions, right? Yes, and you have to because, unfortunately, most physicians have not had geriatric medicine Mm -hmm. training. You know, at UT Health, we provide that in the medical school. But once you become, for instance, an internist or a family physician, the amount of training required is only four to six weeks of your entire training is in geriatrics. So we can't assume that the physicians have been trained in geriatrics. They're doing their very best. They're trying to do the best for you. But to be a, a good consumer, a good patient, you, it's good. It's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to keep notes. Maybe it's okay to make a list of all of mom's or dad's medication, right? That sounds like a good idea when you go to a doctor's office. It's well, We have to now. It's, it's really required. Physicians should reconcile the medicine or the nursing staff to make sure that what you're taking is in our record so that we, we can make the best decisions. Because sometimes we make decisions when you're not there. Okay. But when you go to the, you should always have a list in your purse because, you know, uh, God forbid you fall and twist your ankle and go to the emergency room, they'll need to know all the medicines that you're on. So I've heard that before, have a list in your purse. It's as yes. simple as that, right? Right, or in your wallet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so is there any other piece of advice that you have for caregivers? In terms of what? In terms of that fragmentation of the healthcare, about having multiple doctors. Yeah, I... You know, I think that when we're younger, we may have one or two diseases, and maybe maybe heart disease is our most prominent disease state. So we, we go to the cardiologist for most of that care, but they are really specialists, and they're, they have a lot of training in that one area. And so I'm finding that as individuals get older and more of, maybe they have more illnesses, unfortunately, or more um uh, there's more functional needs, there may be cognitive changes, that you really need one physician to help captain the ship. Okay. And it's, that's a good idea to get to appoint somebody as your primary care doctor because in addition to treating your heart disease or your, the mobility problems, there's adult vaccinations, there's health maintenance, there's your overall medications. And so uh, it's important that you have one person that helps you oversee that. I think you're bringing a really good point here. We're always afraid of, oh, the big one that's going to get us, right? The, the cancer or, or the heart disease. But you're right. The, the, vac- the flu vaccination is very important. And that's something that might get overlooked, right? It can. And, you know, as we age, what really becomes more the issue is not, um, you know, the, this one disease or that disease, but they start to add up. Hmm. So you have a heart disease and then maybe a little bit of kidney dysfunction and then you have, you uh, have a fracture, unfortunately. Then you have this infection, people start to get maybe urinary tract infections. And so you see it becomes more difficult. It's okay if it's one illness, you treat it and it's all right. cleared up. That doesn't always happen with chronic illness and with older age. So you, you're talking about 
like the dire things, the multiple illness and it, it's it's not going great. What about people who feel like everything is fine? You know, everything is hunky-dory. They are like, I'm thinking my dad, my, my dad is 79 and he's saying everything is absolutely fine, right? Um, what would be your recommendation to the people who think maybe for right or wrong that everything is absolutely fine? Well, and, and that's great. And you still should keep up with your vaccinations and your health maintenance. But what's important here is that even one medication, like in the patient I described, could upset the entire apple cart. So mm-hmm. you may be doing fine until you get the wrong medication. Or if you, uh, God forbid, you develop pneumonia and you have to go into the hospital, one hospital stay can really set you back. You, you know, you lose strength exponentially when you go into the hospital. Old, one in seven Medicare beneficiaries have an adverse event in the hospital. 40% of Medicare beneficiaries leave the hospital unable to perform at least one of their activities of daily living. So in painting the picture that it's you must maintain your health, exercise, vaccinations, health maintenance, but be wary when you have to interact with the healthcare system. It's fragmented and you're going to meet clinicians who are not trained to do the job. So Always. in that case, make sure you have someone like a caregiver who can be your advocate, right? Because if you're already sick, you're probably not the best advocate for yourself. Well, and you may, and when you're not feeling well, you may not remember everything that's being said. You know, if you True. have a fever, you, you know, so you need to have that advocate by your side. So, so have all your medication listed. Have the advocate by your side. And what I'm hearing is have a physician that's your primary care physician. Right, and that person should know as much about you as possible. Right, and they really help you, help guide you because it's 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 complex, and uh, we we all need that help, even doctors. Okay, so here's another question: My mom and dad they go see the doctor even though nothing's going on with them. Is that a good idea? Like they just go and drop by and and say, you know, here I am. You know, they just renew their medication. Is it a good idea to build that relationship with the physician? I think it is, and because once we get to, to learn and know about patients, we can we can start to pick up on any signs early. I see. Like I, I see uh, that you you have a little tremor, or you're not walking quite as fast. Have you have you slacked off on on your exercise? There are just things that the doctor knowing you and knowing your body can um, can work on when you see them regularly. So even if you think everything is going great, that annual physical might be a really good idea is what I'm hearing. Oh yes, an annual physical is good. Is really good for everybody. Okay, so um, thank you, Dr. Dyer. So, um, I, um, so to summarize what you said, watch out for this medication and particularly medication interaction get to that physician and establish that relationship, right? And that's very important. And then watch out for that, what you call the fragmentation in healthcare. You really want to watch that. And if you're a caregiver, these are the things that you should be looking for. So Dr. Dyer, um, is there anything you would like to leave us with today? Well, at the beginning, you said if I had one wish, can I get a second wish? Yes. And my second wish would be that we had more geriatricians here in Houston. A lot of older adults cannot find the geriatric health care that they need. There's about 30-plus 
geriatricians who are board certified in the city of Houston, and we're nearly the third largest city in the country. In the, in the, the enrollment into geriatric fellowships, although we have one at UT Health and Baylor has one, but the enrollment has gone down around the country. The, the reason being is that it takes much longer to see an older patient. They deserve it. Um, and so a, a doctor can't be as productive in a production mode that we're in right. uh, when they're seeing older adults. And, and a lot of those adults are Medicare patients, too. They're Medicare patients. And when you have to go through 80 years of history, it obviously it takes up. longer than if you only have 30 or 40 or 50 years to talk to your doctor about. And so we, we need new strategies to bring geriatric health care to the individual patients. So are, are these strategies going to be, it sounds like they're going to be educational in part. So yes, education is part of it. But we, in addition to having an educated workforce, we need people that are trained and also have the attitude and proclivity to want to work with, with older adults. Those of us who do it know that we have the best patients in the entire city. All right. Well, thank you so much. So, folks, um, we have been talking with Dr. Carmel Dyer, who is the executive director of the Aging Consortium in the Texas Medical Center. Now, Dr. Dyer has given us some fascinating insight on what kind of medical care will be available to us as we age. She also gave some great advice about things that we need to watch out for. So, to find out everything she mentioned on our podcast today, uh, feel free to visit www.uth.edu slash aging. And that will give you lots of information about the uh, Aging Consortium. Um, now, to find more about your Prepare to Care podcast and other AARP resources, or to share this podcast with friends, you can find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or you can go to the AARP website. And that will be www.aarp.org forward slash Houston. So please share this podcast with your friends. Talk about us on Facebook. Spread the word. Next week on Prepare to Care, we're going to be talking about the blues, which sounds a little scary, but I'm sure we're going to make it through. Um, And the blues is what to do when caregiving and changing lifestyles starts to be a little tough and wait on us and our loved ones. And that's something that's very common. So we're going to be talking about the blues next week and I will see you then. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for caring.